You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. All right, so we are done looking back now. It's time to look forward into the future. And there's been a lot of stuff that's been floating out there that hasn't really been talked about. First of all, before I forget, injury news, and I am obviously going to be behind you, but... Um, I know Rodgers um, did not practice on Wednesday. Does not seem to be a lot of panic there. I think we're going to be okay, but wouldn't that just be... As soon as I saw that, I said, you know, it would just make all the sense in the world if the one game that we probably can't lose, despite our struggles, Rodgers ends up not playing, and that's how we lose it. <laughs> boy, oh boy, would that just be... That just feels right. Uh, Watson sounds like he's probably not going to be back. There's been a lot of optimism about Sammy Watkins, but I'm skeptical about that. Jake Hansen didn't practice on Wednesday. Hopefully that doesn't matter. No offense to Mr. Jake Hansen. Very optimistic about his future. And by that, I mean hopeful for his future. And Randall didn't practice, but we already know he's going to be out several weeks. As for Washington, they've got uh, five people that didn't practice, including quarterback Carson Wentz. But um, for like the third time in a row, we see a quarterback down and we're all sitting here thinking, mm, I might want the starter in. Because one of the contributing factors to teams being really bad is that half the league has garbage quarterbacks. And we've gone up against several of them and their backups. But we can worry more about uh, who's playing, who's not a little bit more down the road. But they do have several injuries hesitant to even bring it up because every other team we've gone up against is decimated by injuries and we still struggle. But anyways, mention wide receiver and I want to start there because that has been just like always, we have found a reason to believe that bringing in a wide receiver will solve everything. Again, I've kind of talked about it a little bit in terms of I'm more on board with it than I think I've ever been, but I also think it's silly to assume, just like it always was every other time, that bringing in a guy like Odell Beckham, who's... (laughs) It's the same guy every year. Or one of the other handful of guys is going to 100% change everything. And I, I want to attack the wide receiver thing from another angle, especially now that we got confirmation from Aaron Rodgers about something that I've been saying for a while. Because sometimes you say stuff and you start to wonder after a while if I'm just saying it because I say it and I don't actually know if it's real or maybe it's exaggerated or whatever. But the thing that I've been saying that Rodgers has now confirmed is that Under Mike McCarthy, it was all about just raw talent. It was about beat your guy. And as long as you've got top-end wide receivers and a great quarterback and probably a really good offensive line, you're going to dominate. You know, we've got this timing and and rhythm thing down pat, and you can't stop it. That's why you saw all those back shoulder throws and everything. Everything was so perfectly timed. All the passes are exactly where they needed to be. It It was indefensible. There was nothing you can do to stop it. But it requires... Really good wide receivers, really good quarterback. Rodgers said that this is different. This is not that. This is entirely scheme-based. What does that mean? It doesn't hurt to have great quarterbacks and great wide receivers, but it isn't necessary. What you need to be able to do is what you're told. With a good quarterback, you're going to have, first of all, probably a, with a bigger brain, 
a better understanding of, of what the play is, why the play is, and where the ball should go. And then probably more accurate passes. You're also going to have some really tough situations, just like every offense, where you got to throw some really impressive passes or whatever. So, so don't think I'm trying to say you don't need it, but it isn't based on that. We always think that no matter what, wide receivers are just guys that run away from people. We think everything is backyard football, where everything is man-to-man coverage. And either you can run away from the guy or you can't. And if you run away from him, then you're open. And we know this isn't it, but we still pretend like we don't know this isn't it. As long as you run away from that guy, you got to have speed and, and route running and all that stuff. Then you win, then you're open, and then the quarterback will find you, throw it to you, and it's a big play. That isn't the case. Well, if, if this is scheme-based and that was talent-based, what does that mean? Well, you want guys that are going to help your scheme. Now, this works for a couple different reasons. Number one is the free agent thing, but it's also the Sammy Watt... Christian Watson thing. A lot of people are down on Christian Watson, not because of what he can do with his athleticism, but because of his production so far. Same with Sammy Watkins. Well, he's not a good enough wide receiver. I don't think good is the problem. Matt LaFleur doesn't want guys that are going to run out there and, and just be good. He wants guys that are going to help his scheme. What do you need to help your scheme? And this is where part of the reason I'm bringing this up is because everybody who's talking about Sammy Watkins is like, you guys are idiots. Sammy's not going to do anything. He's not good. I'm excited for Sammy Watkins to come back for the same reason I really want Christian Watson to come back. And I think if we don't have those two guys on the field, we're in a lot of trouble, just like we were against the Jets, where we were significantly worse than we have been the last couple weeks. And the last time we didn't have speed on the field, we were even, we, we get a lot worse. You know why? It's not because of their talent. It's because of their speed. Why though? Because speed helps scheme. When you're trying to get guys open, What's a critical piece of getting guys open? Space. How do you create space? Speed. Speed isn't necessarily going to help in a Mike McCarthy offense, but it will in a Shanahan LaFleur offense because we're trying to create space. And if you can run to the sideline really fast, and if you can run in a straight line down the field really fast, you create more space. And if you create more space, that gives me more of, of, of a opportunity to scheme guys open. What else do you need? Well, how about yards after the catch? elusiveness slash strength. A.J. Dillon, Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers, elusiveness. You've got um, Romeo Dobbs. How about blocking? When we get you space, how about we keep space by blocking downfield? Again, blocking wide receivers, blocking tight ends. It's scheme-based, and I think we're asking the wrong question. Again, there's nothing wrong with talent. No matter what the guy is, he could always be better at it. And you always want him to be better at it. But the first and foremost question is helping the scheme. And as long as we have the pieces to execute the scheme, we'll be okay and we can make it work. If we don't, we can't. We're missing a critical element to making the scheme work, and that's speed. And on some level, it doesn't matter if they're good at being a wide receiver. This is why we've constantly seen them employ speed, 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 speed on the field, and it was so annoying. MVS is not good, and I was the lead champion of that, but that was an element that I was not getting. As long as he's on the field running really fast down the field, he's helping. Oh, he caught one pass for 40 yards. Yeah, but seven of those receptions for 105 yards spread across multiple wide receivers, probably six of the seven were Devante, but a lot of the things that happened for other guys happened as a result of MVS helping create space within the scheme. This is not talent-based, it's scheme Based, and we still as fans are obsessed with talent. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. But the first and foremost question is, how is this going to help the scheme? Where is the upgrade schematically? If you can't answer that, stop asking for somebody. And also, again, you have to understand this offense cannot work without speed. And we've seen that. I mean, it, 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 it can, but everything shrinks. You're trying to create space in a smaller area. It's not easy to do. And that, and that requires more talent because it requires more precision from the quarterback, from the wide receivers. And we don't have that either. You know, that's where if you lose MVS but have Devontae, you can maybe probably still kind of make it work. But if we're talking no speed, no space, Lazard and Dobbs, mm, I don't know. So yes, I'm excited about getting Sammy Watkins back, partially because I do think he can have a four reception, 95 yard and a touchdown day, which a lot of these guys can't. And, And having a speed guy, which he is, is a great thing just in terms of, hey, maybe we hit that deep shot and all that. That's, that's awesome, and I hope we do. And I know Rodgers wants to do it. You know, I think the deep ball, deep ball is the passing version of play action or running to set up the pass. It's sort of like, uh, 
and I know the statistic people will say that this isn't true, but just bear, bear with me for a second. And, and maybe that's the case with passing as well. But the theory is, if you're able to execute running the ball well, and you cause the defense to hesitate, you can kill people with play action. And I, I feel like we've seen that. The Packers defense in particular, if, if they start crushing you against the run, that's when the pass really starts to open up. Again, the stats nerds will say, no, that's not true. It's just the fact that you're running. As long as you're running, doesn't matter if you're getting two yards per carry, play action will be effective. Okay, fine. You're still able to set up the pass. Okay, fine. This is the same thing when you're talking about deep speed. And I feel like the Packers are thinking, it's nice that we got a guy that's running down the field real fast because it kind of opens things up. But we're not really going to open things up to the, to the full abilities until we start actually hitting on some of these deep throws because that's going to cause them to say, okay, this is real and we have to really allocate some resources and be afraid of it. Until then, as long as they know it's just window dressing, they don't have to worry about it, and it's similar with play action. We don't need to load the box and worry about play action if you can't run. We're going to tell everybody, don't worry about it, hang out, play the pass. I mean, obviously the linebackers don't, you can't just completely forget that there's a running back there. But you get what I'm saying. How much of your, of your mental energy is spent on making sure that they're not running the ball? If, if, you're, if they can't run the ball past the defensive tackles, probably not very much. And so you're not going to bite on play action as much or as hard as, you know, like we did against Saquon or, or Montgomery or uh, whoever the heck the, the New England Patriots were crushing us with, Ramondre Stevenson or whatever. So I think that's the other element. We, we, we need the speed, and then we need to be able to actually threaten them with the speed. And then, then it's like we're, we're fully able to do what we need. Now it's just execution throughout. Execution over the top, through the middle, and we can stop throwing every single pass behind the line of scrimmage, for example. So here, here's my thought process, because I, f- I feel like we're all over the place when we start talking about we need to go get wide receivers. Again, I'm fine with it once we get to that point. But we're, we're just, you know, it's like we've, we've got a guy coming into the, the, the emergency room with multiple gunshots, and we're, you know, trying to stitch close one of the bullet wounds without taking out the bullet. We're trying to give the guy aspirin, and one guy's giving him anesthesia while another guy's giving him, you know, a shot of adrenaline in the heart. Like, are, dude, whoa, whoa. Like, are you, trying to, are you trying to stab a pen into his throat right now? Like, he's, he's breathing. So, wow. What are you doing? First things first, I want to see the, uh, the offense operate with an offensive line that is working like it's supposed to and with at least one of our speed guys on the field, preferably both. But give me one so we can at least do the most with what we have. Let's just start there, right? Let's see how Rodgers operates behind an offensive line with a run game that's working again because the offensive line is working, right? you got an offensive line. You've got a great run game. You've got Rodgers behind the pocket a little bit more comfortable. He's not panicked. He's not worried. He's not constantly under pressure. We've got our speed guy on the field, so we're, we're able to open up all the space that we need and people can work underneath it. I still expect some kind of growing pains and whatnot, but let's work on handing off the ball without fumbling it. Let's work on trying to get the ball where it needs to be and not dropping passes. I've never seen so many drop passes, turnovers, nonsense. Like, let's just slow down and see this thing work at 100%. If they're not going to work at 100%, we don't need to be going and get free agents. If it is working at 100% or, or 90% or whatever, let's see where we're at with that. Before we, we decide to bench one of our wide receivers for Odell Beckham, let's decide if that's what we want to do. Before we redshirt Romeo Dobbs for the rest of the year so Odell Beckham can take his spot and we see Odell and, and Lazard out there, let's make sure that's exactly what we want to do. It's very, it, it reminds me very much of teams going out and get a quarterback when you don't have an offensive line, wide receivers, you, don't have, you have nothing. And that guy stands back there, has nobody to throw to, and ends up getting cremated behind the line of scrimmage. And then his career is basically just over. Like, let's just slow down. Maybe that will be the answer. But right now, there's no way in the world that's where we're at. So that's the first thing. Speaking of the offensive line and getting it back to uh, where it needs to be, there's a video clip of Brian Balaga who um, had some thoughts on the offensive line. I want to play those thoughts because uh, I think I'm just going to play the whole thing here. We'll kind of pause as we go along. But he had a, a different take on how the offensive line should be structured, and I, I think it makes sense. I just hadn't really considered it, but we'll explore it as we get there. You are an expert in the realm of offensive line play, uh, much like your predecessor here on the program. You've watched yep. the Packers, I'm sure. You saw the struggles that they had as a group, and that Elton Jenkins coming back from an ACL, also something you've done, uh, had against the Jets. What were you thinking while you were watching? Well... 
to be honest, I mean, I think, you know, we've seen how the group has done up, up to this point, and I'm not a big panic guy. I don't really like to do that. Never did that when I played. I tried to stay even keel. But I think watch the group progress over over the course of the season so far. I think this week may be an opportunity to maybe tweak some things around. Uh, if it were me, and this is just me, just because I know some of those guys that are there, and, and I played in the system, and I know the coaches, and Coach Buckus, and Steno, and all those guys, they're, they're great coaches. And I know Elton's been moved all around these last few years, and then he gets injured, and he gets put at right tackle, and he's bouncing back off an ACL, and he's playing a, a fairly new position, and he's had some ups and downs, and I get that. But if it's me, I'm, I'm looking to move Elton right back next to Dave, where uh, I think he's had his most success at left guard, and then probably move Runyon out to right guard, and then who you put at right tackle, whether that's Yash or uh, Tom, I I, I you know, that's not, I mean, I, I don't know what, what's going on. Bring Balaga <laughs> back. <laughs> tackle. It, it, it's also hard, you know, I'm very sympath- sympathetic to switching sides. So Yash, who's been taking a ton of reps, because he's been working in and out with Dave, probably hasn't taken a ton of snaps at right tackle in practice. No, he so, has not. Yeah, so to have him go over there and say, hey, Yash, you're playing right tackle this week. Uh, Montez Sweat's over there. Uh, Jonathan Allen's over there. All those guys are over there. Good luck. I mean, that, that's a, it's a tough task. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do or if they just stick it out and try to push through. But if it were me, that's, that's what I would do because I know Elton and I know how good of a player he is. And to see him struggling a little bit, it, it, it's, it's not like him. So, again, slightly different thought that uh, I haven't really heard anybody else say and that is, rather than moving Elton to right guard, we move him to left guard. Take Runyon, put him over to right, and then Yash at right tackle. Um, part of my issue with that is we've got already, we're, we're creating new issues. And I guess either way, we got two guys playing positions they're not really familiar with. You either have Elton at right guard and Yash at right tackle, or you move Elton to left guard where he's comfortable and you have uh, Runyon at right guard and then Yash at right tackle because as much as Elton Jenkins is versatile and has played every single position along our offensive line the only reason that's true is because he's taken one snap at right guard 297 at center 372 at right tackle 524 at left tackle 1912 at left guard so I, and, and maybe maybe this is stupid it's entirely possible but I still have this weird thing in my head where the left side of the line, you're more concerned with the pass-blocking guys. The right side is the run-blocking guys. Again, maybe that's kind of stupid. I don't know. But right now, Elton Jenkins has an 81.4 run-blocking grade. He's, he's been great at run-blocking, grading out great at run-blocking four weeks in a row. Aside from his first week back against Chicago, he's been great. Pass-blocking is where he's massively struggling. Now, the, the theory is when you kick him inside, he doesn't need his athleticism quite as much. He can rely on all his technique and his strength and his intelligence and all that to just operate without having to worry about just getting beat athletically, necessarily. You know, there's still an element of that, but I think most of that would come down to technique anyway. So I still, just from that standpoint, like the idea of having him on the right side. I think he's going to be a really good run block, and I think the pass blocking kind of picks up on the right side. I worry about taking a guy that is terrible as a run blocker. I mean, horrific but as a really good pass blocker and putting him on the right side. I also just feel like we're still just abandoning the right side because, again, as much as people like Yash Nyman, I, I think Yash, who hasn't played in a long time, a brand-new position up against, as he just said, a pretty formidable defensive front. As much as everybody thinks he's going to come in there and be great, I think he's going to come in there and just get whooped. And then we put um, the, the one guy whose one thing he can do is, is be a good pass blocker. We force him to go to a new position. Now maybe he can't do anything. And so again, we still have a decimated right side. Josh Myers is, in my opinion, subpar, maybe par, I don't know. And then we got, you know, two really good players on the left side. So I, I just think we have more of an ability. If we keep Runyon where he is, I think Elton improves if we move him. And then we just have to worry about Yash. But, but maybe we can get four guys kind of on track. I don't, I don't want to mess up. You know, the, the idea of moving, is that we're, we're getting Elton back on track, and that hopefully Yash is no worse than Elton was in that spot. And so we're upgrading 
the right guard spot. We're maybe breaking even on the right tackle spot. And everything else stays the same. I'm worried about, you know, moving Elton to left guard where he's as good maybe at pass blocking. So it's it's not a pass blocking upgrade. It's a lateral move at right guard because Runyon potentially is going to struggle massively moving a new position. I, I just, I, I don't like it. It's, it's too much messing with stuff. Left tackle, left guard, and center are figured out. Let's not break it. Let's just kick Elton to right guard. Hopefully he can massively improve that and then Yash at right tackle. That's just where I'm at personally. Again, I understand saying Elton is one of the best players on your team at his best. Let's put him at his at the spot we know he did a really good job. Or at least we think we know he did a really good job. Honestly, his grade was a 66. He didn't grade out all that well in 2020, despite the fact that we all thought he was elite. He became a dominant player in 2021. That's when he played left tackle. But I don't know, man. It, it, it's, it's whatever. I'm, I'm just worried that, you know, there's a lot of chatter about the Packers and the head coach and the coaches in general not really making the best decisions as far as the offensive line. And I'm worried that may continue this week, whether that means just keeping things as they are for one more week just to see if maybe this is the week Elton can kind of figure it out. Again, my, my, my biggest issue with that is Royce is not going to get better, I don't think. There's no, like, getting a, a great right guard. I do think with Yash, we have a, a solid right tackle. We do not have a solid right guard with, with him, with Royce there. If we can get a solid right tackle in Yash, and Elton is playing real good at, at guard, we've still got some issues. Josh Myers, again, is, is mediocre, and Runyon is a horrific, horrific run blocker. But otherwise... It's pretty solid across from end to end. What else is going on? Uh, Dan Arlovsky posted a video on uh, the Twitterverse basically showing plays in which the Packers didn't succeed. They failed, usually because of an offensive lineman, and came to the conclusion that the Packers are, um, are close to being good at stuff but are not good at stuff. And I think I got tagged in that about 17 different times with a bunch of people making comments, something to the effect of, it, it almost felt like a, well, what do you got to say now kind of thing, as though this hasn't been mine and everybody else's contention the entire time. <laughs> Did you think that I thought there was no reason why we sucked? Of course there's a reason, just because he looked at the reason, which is the same reason we've been saying since forever, the offensive line can't block. Just because you discover the reason doesn't mean they're actually good. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> I mean, every team, when you go back and pick any team, any play that didn't work, if you go look at it, you'll find out it didn't work because somebody didn't do their job properly. And you can, believe it or not, surmise that if they instead did their job properly instead of improperly, that they would have been successful on that play. And you can extrapolate that out to say if they do that all the time instead of failing all the time, then they would be a good team. That's true. That's true of... Every team, every player since the dawn of man. So I appreciate Dan Arlovsky illuminating everybody to what I have been trying to tell you for weeks now. You know what this is? This is exactly like when you're married and you're like, hey, I hear that there's this device that you can buy that does this thing and I think it would be pretty cool. And your spouse is like, nah, that's stupid. And you're trying to convince them, and they will not listen. And then a couple weeks later, your spouse comes to you and says, I was talking to Sally, and she says there's this device out there that if you use it, it will help you, and I think we should do it. Uh, are you serious? I've been... Te no, you never, you never said that. This is different. This is a different thing. I've been sitting here for I don't know how long, saying this is a talented team playing well below their abilities. I literally am going through play-by-play. Play. Every single play that he highlighted, I highlighted, because I went through every single play, including that Mercedes Lewis block and every other kind of mistake, with the conclusion that they're doing stuff wrong, and that's why they're failing. And they need to stop doing stuff wrong. By the way, Matt LaFleur has said that. That's what they mean when they say execution. That's what Rodgers means when he says execution. That's what everybody means when they say execution. I'm just curious what the alternative was. Like, what did you think I was saying? Like, they're doing it perfectly, they just suck? They're just not good enough? Because if that's what you're hearing, oh my goodness. <laughs> I just... 
I just I I'm, I'm watching the video like, dude, this guy is four weeks late to the party, and half of Packer fans are watching this going, "Dang, that's brilliant, dude." He just broke it down. <laughs> come on, come on, guys, what are we doing here? So let me just be on record saying I agree with Dan Arlovsky that people are making mistakes, and that's why the team is not good. And I also agree with Dan Arlovsky that if they could stop being bad and start being good, that that they you know eventually would become a good football team. That's what we're waiting for to happen. Specifically, the offensive line, we're waiting for them to either block better or find people that can. So yes, I am in full agreement with Dan Arlovsky that players are not playing well, and that's the reason that our team is not doing well. Pretty pretty insightful there. <laughs> But anyways, let's take a break here. We'll uh, take a look on the other side at um, some Matt LaFleur comments. We'll look at the Washington commies, and uh, that'll probably be it. We'll see how it goes. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. FertileGroundRanch.org. If you'd like to support them, you can find uh, you can go to that link or link at the top of my Twitter or something like that. I don't know. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so Matt LaFleur's press conference. Um... First of all, Nixon, I keep wanting to say Mixon, and I don't know why. There's one Mixon in the universe that I'm aware of. But for whatever reason, Nixon, who is on our team and has a very common name, Nixon, I always think is Mixon, and I don't know why. So if I call him Mixon, just ignore me and know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you got to bail your quarterback out, you know what I mean? This is, this is the Packernet podcast version of that. Sometimes I throw you a bad ball... Don't sit there and stew over it. Just just bail me out. Oh, he means he means Nixon because he's an idiot. Yes, yes, all of that, yes. But uh, he was asked about Keyshawn Nixon and was asked specifically about kick return. And it's it's a little weird because he immediately says, you know, how do, what do you think he brings to you or are you excited about what he brings on kick return? And he says, yes, absolutely. We're excited about everything he does for us. So he kind of deflects it a little bit and turns it into, yeah, he does a lot of good stuff. And it's like, no, nah, I want to know specifically about kick return. But um, I think that's pretty well locked up, especially with Randall being hurt and Amari probably going to be spending more time as a wide receiver on top of him just not being very good as a returner. I'm pretty excited. I, I try not to get too excited because one guy does one thing that's kind of cool one time and we all get excited and then and then that doesn't really stay that way and then we kind of don't get excited. It's the same thing that's happening with the offensive line. And uh, I have a couple more thoughts on that based on what LaFleur said. But I, I just, I keep, if you've noticed, cautioning at the idea of it may be a disaster if we get what we want. There's no guarantee that it's going to be great. Like I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, everyone's all excited about the idea of Elton at right guard, you know, Zach Tom at right guard. And again, I, I am the leader of the Zach Tom fan club. He was bad. All right. He came out and played 30 snaps in week one. He got a 43 overall grade, 44 run blocking, 41 pass blocking. He was horrible at everything all the time. 
I, I keep getting that question. Why won't they put Zach Tom out there? Why won't they put Zach Tom out there? What's going on with Zach Tom? They don't want to put him out there because he was terrible. I'm not saying he's going to be terrible forever. He's not ready to play tackle. So I think that's out the what about guard? What about guard? In the preseason, he played right tackle in two games. He did great. He played left guard once against Kansas City, and he was kind of terrible. He's more athletic. He's built for being on the outside. I don't see the benefit in putting him in at guard. I don't under- I've never understood the benefit of putting him in at guard. If they can do it, great, but he has no experience at right guard. He wasn't good in the regular season when he played. He wasn't good at guard in the preseason when he played. So I understand we're all hyped up about him. I'm really excited about Zach Tom, but the reason he's not out there is very obvious. As far as Yash Nyman, he's fine. Packer fans think he's way better than he is. And when he was out and doing a decent job, it was at left tackle. Right tackle is a different position. Elton Jenkins, well, if we move him into guard, he'll be a great guard. We don't know that. He was a great tackle for us. He's playing tackle, and he's really bad. Maybe it's because he's on the right side. I don't know. But if it's a position issue, he's never played right guard either, aside from one snap in the pros. Or maybe he's just struggling. It's not that he can't play tackle and is a better guard, because again, that wasn't the issue last year. So all I'm saying is, We're getting real excited about stuff, and we don't really know, and that's kind of the case with Keyshawn Nixon, too. I'm glad to see that his one kick return looked really impressive, but I don't want to settle into, dang, we finally got a kick returner. Nice. He's awesome. I'm excited. He's going to do some special things. All right, dude, let's let's relax. It's pretty rare for a guy to be in the league as long as he has, and just especially as a pure special teamer, and slip through the cracks as a really good kick returner. Like, nobody, just nobody noticed. Last time the guy was a kick returner was back in 2020 for the exact same special teams coach. Um, He had two returns for 21 yards, averaging 10.5 yards per attempt, and had a muffed return. So just so we're all clear, I think we're way too quick to say, you know, one thing is the worst possible thing in the world, and one thing is the most obvious, perfect solution in the world. The worst thing you could ever do is leave the combination we have out there. There's nothing good about it. Nothing good can come out of that. Nothing good about Amari being out there. And the exact right, obvious, perfect answer, Keyshawn Nixon is our elite, awesome kick returner. And then Yash is our right tackle. Elton is our right guard. We have an elite offensive line, and we dominate the universe. Again, Keyshawn has been a really bad kick returner in the past. There's no guarantees about the offensive line. And again, the idea that all of these other options are terrible, not necessarily. We may, at some point, be saying, I miss Amari. Watch Keyshawn muff a punt that gets returned and immediately our thoughts are going to be all right maybe we should just leave Amari there because yeah he's done it like twice but you still are gonna in that moment you're gonna trust him more than Keyshawn I promise you also again with the offensive line I'm all for changing it but there is negative it can be worse believe it or not number one and also it's entirely possible we're missing a really good opportunity to have a really good right tackle in Elton Jenkins which is way more important than having a really good right guard and we're abandoning that So let's just, we don't know what the right answer is. We know that what they've done in the past hasn't worked. We hope that if we make changes, it'll fix things in the future, but we don't know that. It might just get worse because they've had how many weeks of practice now? And we're giving up on that and scrapping it and starting over with a brand new thing. What if that doesn't work? Do we go back to the old way or do we stick with this for three or four weeks to see if maybe they can gel? Because that's going to be the thing. Well, Elton has never played right guard for us. And Yash has never played right tackle. Why would you just give him one week? You got to give him a couple weeks to get acclimated. Are you willing to do that? If this is a disaster, or you just want him to go right back to the way it was. And then we shuffle, 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 shuffle back and forth. Or, or just every week we do a new combination, hoping that some kind of a magic combination is going to fix this. All the while, they're never going to get into a rhythm because it's just a constant shuffling of players, which is exactly what we want to avoid. There is no exact right perfect answer. There's just answers that seem to make more sense to us than the alternatives. But if you find yourself thinking that there is an obvious answer, this is clearly it, this is the, the way it has to be, and anything other than this is just the dumbest thing in the world, you're probably wrong. So I don't know, and I don't know what they're going to do. But I do think Keyshawn Nixon is going to be our returner going forward. I hope, I hope, hope, hope that he ends up being a really solid returner for us. Again, I haven't seen a guy move like that as a kick returner for the Green Bay Packers in a long time. So if he can just not drop it and keep doing that with, you know, speed, and intentionality, and aggression, I'm going to be so happy. But I'm going to try not to get my hopes up too much about it. But he was asked about the offensive line. 
here's the thing. He, he At this point, take your best guess. You're not going to get an answer from him. He's saying that they're feeling it out. We're trying to figure out the best combination. BS. If you don't know your offensive line combination by Thursday, let's just cash it in. You should have figured that out before the first day of practice, said this is our offensive line, and you practice this offensive line all the way through the week. If you're still trying to figure out the best combination by Thursday, you messed up. So I believe he's lying when he says we're still trying to figure that out. The question is, what conclusion did they come to? I will say, if you listen to his answer, it does sound like he's maybe tipping his hand a little bit. Could be wrong. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. I'm going to try to find the right spot in this answer. But here is what he had to say uh, about the offensive line situation. Yeah, I think that that's a great, great question um, that I don't know if there is a right answer for um, in terms of that's something you're always kind of balancing with all these guys because it's, okay, do you move one guy? Do you move, do you end up moving two guys? How does that work out? Or do you just, you know, you just work through what we're going through right now and coach better and go out there and execute fundamentally at a higher level. So, um, you know, that's what that's why we're practicing. We um, had a really good practice, I think, yesterday in terms of just the energy, the urgency, the execution, the detail. I thought everybody did a really nice job. Um, you know, the guys were having fun yesterday, and that's something that we stressed to them. And so, you know, we got we to gotta keep building on it. So it sounds like he answered the question. I know he didn't. And we'll we'll see what happens. And and you know he's he's doing a good enough job of keeping the answer close to the vest. But you know w- when he had to elaborate on making changes or talk about making changes as opposed to talking about s- working focusing more on the fundamentals and just executing properly, it's very clear which one he was more interested in talking about. When he talked about making changes, yeah, you know that's one of those things you're always looking at, and you know what do you do and it's one of those things. Or do you just stick it out? You grind through the issues you're working through. You focus on fundamentals and execution. And then he elaborated on that and said, we had a really good practice. Oh, you did? What did you practice? Did you? Was that an extension of what you were just saying about how you could stick to what you have and work on the fundamentals and, and execution and that's what you did in practice? Or, or are you completely changing what you're talking I'm, I'm just trying to picture he's already made a chain and he's trying not to tell it it doesn't quite fit in my brain so much as smoothly as him you know again with the tone of his voice he's trying to minimize the part where we make a change and really maximize with his excitement and, and tonality the concept of just focusing on executing better. Sounds to me like he's saying he would like to keep it this, the same way. I'm kind of torn. I'm, I'm basically 50-50 on whether or not they're going to make a change. I think they know it's a serious problem. But I also think they really like the lineup as it is. They really like Royce, just like they really liked Billy Turner. I think they love the idea of Elton Jenkins at, at tackle, because then you have the two tackle spots solved, which is a huge deal. And I think at, at the same time, too, you know, it's Similar to like I talked about with the Arlovsky video. It's not a talent issue, it's an execution issue. So as coaches, you always believe in your ability to coach them up, especially when they've already demonstrated they can do it. Giving up seems like a terrible option. It might be what they need to do, but you understand from their standpoint as coaches, if I can just coach them, if I can just get them to do it the right way and understand, and and if we can get them where they need to be, everything's going to be perfect. We get, we get the left tackle we want, the left guard we want, the center we want, the right guard we want, and the right tackle we want, and we don't have to run away from it. We just need them to execute better and understand their assignments better, and everything's going to be fine. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm saying it, it makes perfect sense from the standpoint of head coaches, offensive coordinators, offensive line coaches. Also, just, just from a standpoint of, of, you know, a mentality. Running away from your problems as opposed to facing it and working through it. How, how many issues can you run away from and, and still have a competent football team that's going to compete as opposed to a team that buckles down and fights through adversity and figures it out? So I get it. I get what's, what they're trying to do. I understand the hesitation more so than, than I think most. 
Again, I wouldn't mind at the very least just trying it, calling it a temporary move, telling Royce he just needs a little bit of time to kind of just hang out and, you know, work on fundamentals. And, you know, this will be a temporary thing because we want Elton back at right tackle. And when he's ready, you're first in line to get that opportunity back. But you need to be ready because there will be competition ready to go. We're going to have other people, you know, whether that be Zach Tom or whoever, working on right ta- right guard and right tackle, waiting to um, waiting to take that spot. But for now, we need to make a change, primarily because we need to help Elton. But again, I understand it. Um, and I'm also, like many fans, skeptical that it's going to just get fixed overnight. I don't know what the issues are, but it seems like there's enough of them that it seems unlikely they're all going to get cleaned up. But again, there's, there's so many layers to the issues. And, and all these things are band-aids, even, even the shuffling. And maybe it'll fix a couple things, but one of the biggest issues with the entire team was John Runyon. What are we doing about that? Well, nothing. I mean, we're not going to move Runyon. Okay, so what are we going to do? Well, he just needs to execute better. Exactly. What are we going to do about Rodgers? Replace him? Well, no, he just needs to execute better. Exactly. What about Josh Myers? Well, we can't replace him. He should just execute better. I know, right? What about Dylan? Should we go find a new running back? No, he just needs to execute better. Yes. They're doing this already all across the team. Are you going to replace Stokes? No. Are you going to replace Savage? No. Are you going to replace Quay Walker? No. Devondre? No. What is the solution? You coach them, you help them to understand what they're doing wrong and how to, how to fix it, and you demand better execution. But we put the guys that we want out on the field that are best equipped to do the job, and they just need to execute. And all this is going to mean nothing anyways when we find out that Elton Jenkins and Royce Newman are just going to swap spots. <laughs> oh, but that It's funny that nobody's even talking about that. I know Royce is, is behind on the depth chart at tackle behind Yash Nyman, but who knows? What about right tackle? Are we sure? I mean, do you remember who our right tackle was week one? It was Royce Newman. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. It, it, it definitely sounds like... And, and maybe, maybe they're making a change, and what you're hearing from Matt LaFleur is more or less just frustration because he's giving in to what he doesn't necessarily believe in. What he cares more about, rather than running from our issues and trying to just change things that aren't working, is fixing the issues that we have. I don't know, but that's what it sounds like, and I, and I guess part of me is just trying to get you prepared for disappointment in, in a lot of different facets. Number one, probably not going to do what you want. Number two, if they do, also a good chance it's not going to work and it's going to be a disaster. And number three, even if it does work, it doesn't fix the whole team. So you see what I mean by multiple steps in this process? I'm fine taking a step. This is one step, but it's just that. One step. Anyways, before we get too far down all these rabbit holes and whatnot, why don't we take a first look at Washington? Because if we're looking for a positive here, it is, and it's going to be a little tricky to get the words out, it's a reality that the Packers are a better team (laughs) than Washington. Um, I hate saying it because I feel like I've said that a lot recently, but they are. Now, we do have to travel, which sucks, um, but we've done that in the past and won football games. It's not a big deal. Washington is currently a 2-4 and four team. They were on a four-game losing streak before barely beating out the Chicago Bears in what was one of the ugliest games I've seen. Um, like I said, as much as we might have hesitations and reservations and whatnot about our offense, I really felt like I was watching the Packers offense, like the Packers at their lowest, but without talent. You had Carson Wentz forcing passes to guys that are covered. The pressure was there. He was breaking down early. It it felt like I was watching the same team, but again, they don't have Aaron Jones. They don't have AJ Dillon. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. They don't, they don't have much of anybody. So that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. As much as you say, well, yeah, we we don't have that good of a team either. Well, I think, at least from what I saw against Chicago, if we play at our worst, it's going to be a close game. Let me put it that way. If we play, if the offense plays as bad as they did um, last week, and let's say the defense plays as bad as they did against, I don't know, Minnesota, it's going to be a close game. Otherwise, we should win this game, even if things are not all figured out, even if we don't have the all the answers to the offensive line, even if things aren't fixed 100% and guys are still making mistakes and this and that and the other thing. And I'm not saying they're completely inept from, from end to end because they do have professional football players that do know how to play and they know how to rush the passer and they know how to tackle and do those kinds of things. So don't expect it to be a 45 to nothing game. 
But there's no reason that this team shouldn't uh, be able to beat the Washington uh, Communists. Offensively, they've scored 28 points in Week 1, 27 points in Week 2. Since then, the most points they've scored all year is 17. That's it. 17, 12, 10, and 8. Defensively, they're doing a little bit better. However, um, not exactly perfect. I think the good news for them is their best two weeks came the last two weeks, 21 points and 7 points. However, with that said, the only game under, the only time they allowed a team under 20 points was um, Chicago week six. So I, I feel like we have to use the adjusted scales a little bit, whereas before you look at it and go, dang, dude, 7, 21, 22, 24, 25, those are good scores. In today's NFL, it's not. In fact, they allowed 7, 21, 22, 24, 25. You know what their defensive rank is as far as scoring points given up? 18th. There's a 36 mixed in there against Detroit, but that shouldn't even matter. It really shouldn't. Um, anytime your defense can do that, that's impressive. But in today's NFL, as in 2022, I don't know what the heck is going on in NFL, apparently more than 20 points, and uh, you're in pretty good shape. And Washington has done that fairly consistently. And again, Offense, ter uh, ter terrific, terrible, 29th in terms of scoring offense. And that's only skewed by weeks one and two being better than average. In fact, in the last four weeks, they're dead last and by a massive, massive margin. Green Bay, for example, has scored 73 points in the last four games and gone two and two, right? This is, this is what gives us heartburn. This is what annoys us. The fact that we're two and two and have only scored 73 points over four games, which is 18.25 points per game. They have scored 47 in four games, which is 11.75, call it 12 points per game, and have gone one and three again, only beating Chicago because Chicago is inept. They should be 0-4 in that stretch, no questions asked. 0-5 in the last five is what they should be. But it's, it's really bad. There is not a team where, in fact, Houston, we know Houston, every time I talk about the Bears and how bad they are and you know, I don't know if there's any team we could beat and all that stuff. The one team that always lingers in the back of my mind is eh, Houston. Houston's pretty ridiculous. Houston has scored 10 more points over the last four weeks. 57 compared to Washington's 47. So if you just look at it, just in the last, I don't know, 10. Let's see. Uh, you got, let's go from Green Bay. 73, and it drops to 69, 69, 69, 64, 64, 63, 63, 60, 59, 57, 47 massive drop-off. You know, you got, like, drop one, one, two, two, three, four. Then you got, from Houston to Washington, from 31st to 32nd, it drops 10 points. You know what else is shocking? The bottom one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams have all won a game. <laughs> None of them have lost. The, the only one is Detroit that has gone uh, over. And they had a bye week, so that's not even fair. The Rams, who are almost dead last, one, two, three, four, five, they're sixth from the bottom, just below Chicago, has actually won two games. So, bunch of jerks. But all that to say, again, it's really, really bad. Even in terms of uh, point differential, it's pretty bad. Green Bay ranks 26th the last couple weeks with minus 17. Washington, minus 30. So, they're, they're only 28th. They're two spots below us, but it's Chicago and Green Bay are tied with a negative 17, which makes me sick. But then it drops to negative 30 for Washington, which means they're losing on average by seven and a half points, on average. And they won a game <laughs> in that stretch, and they're still losing by an average of 7.5 points. And remember, their defense isn't even giving up that much. It's, it's pretty amazing. So you're not going to get much of an easier test than this. You know, Pittsburgh, Houston, um, Carolina, Chicago, there's maybe a handful of teams that you could say are um, in contention for being slightly easier, but this is, this is about as easy as it's ever going to get for you. And so, yes, although it's, hey, they still got a good defensive line, yeah, kinda. Montez Sweat is really coming into his own, um, becoming, I mean, he's ranked fifth right now. He's up there with Rashawn Gary and all that. That's true. But last week, for example, we faced guys all across that defensive line. The week before that with the Giants, they had multiple. Um, this is kind of, you know, Jonathan Allen is pretty solid on the interior. But then you've got, you know, Deron Payne, 
not super great as he is. Um, James Smith Williams, who is a 2027th round pick, who's never really done very much. And on top of that, you got the corners who are not very good. Remember last week, they had a really good defensive front and good corners. This is a good pass rusher who primarily is going to line up by David Bakhtiari. Allen, by the way, is primarily going to line up over our probably second best pass blocking player on the team. And then they have really bad corners. Fuller and St. Juice rank 83rd and 75th. They are very much struggling. The only thing they really got going for them right now is Cameron Curl is the number one safety in football right now. It's a you know limited sample size since week three he's been playing, but he's always been decent. So you can assume they're going to have a decent to good cor- uh, safety, couple good guys along the defensive line, and that's about it. And that's that's their strength is their defense. And so you know again I, I expect there to be problems if our offensive line is still struggling. These guys are, we're going to make these guys look like all stars. You know, our wide receivers are not necessarily probably going to be blowing these guys out of the water. We couldn't get open against the, uh, what was it, the, the the Giants' fourth string, fifth string, and sixth string corners. But this is it, right? This is this is what we're talking about. You have the ability. Now is the time to show it. Offensively, again, another really bad offensive line. They've got a couple good pieces, similar to the Giants. You've got a, a or, or the Giants, Jets, whatever. You got a tackle. This they actually have two decent tackles. Terrible interior. Um, I, I have always liked their, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is really, really struggling right now. He's ranked 57th, which I think his worst rank ever was 2020. He ranked 26th in the NFL, 78 overall grade. There, there's nothing here, man. They don't have wide receivers, quarterback, running back. They don't have a full offensive line. They don't have tight ends. They don't have corners, linebackers. They they have one safety. They got a couple good defensive linemen. Come on, guys. We... <laughs> We can do this. We got this. This is the this is the get right game right here. Right? This this is this is where you get everything fine-tuned and ready to go. You get motivated, you get fired up for that Buffalo game, which is not an impossible task. I know it sounds stupid and we're talking baby steps, but really the 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 gap between where we are and where we need to be is not that big. It's just it's just consistency, right? Rice Newman is not garbage every single time. It's just way too often. John Runyon is not terrible every single time. It's just way too often. You have proven and demonstrated in every single game you have the ability. There needs to be more consistency. High-level pass rusher Runyon is and a capable run blocker. I've always kind of picked on his run blocking, but this is a new level, a new low. They just, they just got to get it together, man. This is, this is the week for get right. And again, we were so focused on bringing in a wide receiver or shuffling the offensive line. Or, you know, I'm probably the, more talking about the kick returner more than anybody else, but the kick returner, the biggest thing that matters is the guys that are where they are start doing a better job. We know who the stars are. We just need them to play at a high level. All this little tweaking and fine-tuning that we think is going to change the world, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Just, we just need to see it. We know they can do it. We just need to see it. So I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.